gates of the prison. He has arisen in glory, in His glory to save, in His glory to save. In His glory to save. shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. But ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Jesus Christ. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but under tutors and governors, until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, 
to redeem them, them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when ye know, knew not God, ye did serve unto them which by nature are no gods. And this is the verse that really stood out to me. But now, after ye have known God, and Paul corrects it and he says, or rather, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements ye desire again to be in bondage? But now, after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, every one of you is known of God. It's not that you know God, he knows you. Amen? So let's go back to um, verse 23. So I want to read from the NLT because it really helps, I think, with this um, trans- with uh, the translation. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the law. We were kept in protective custody, so as to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. We were kept in protective custody. The law was God's idea. So the law was his answer at that time. And the idea of protective custody conveys that it wasn't, God didn't create something that was evil and bad and nasty. This was the law that God gave. He provided this way all the time until Christ came. And so the law was a protective custody. Now, I was reading an article in the paper yesterday um, saying about how um, even in junior schools now and infant schools, the teachers are finding that the children are totally, totally indisciplined. And uh, they've been so used to ruling at home with tantrums and everything like that, that when they get to school... They are just trying to rule the roost again with these terrible tantrums and, and means of manipulation. And so the teachers don't know what to do. They're, they're despairing and, and everyone doesn't know what to do. But the law is a protective custody. And so if there's no law for the child when they're growing up, There's no protective custody. You're doing your child a complete disfavor if you don't bring the law into their life. And and, and it's no good if you give in to all the tantrums, if you spoil them rotten. It's no good. You can't do that. You have to lay down boundaries. You have to lay down rules. And you have to give your child that security of boundaries. Children thrive with boundaries. And this is the sickness that is in our society today, that nobody 
puts down the law. Oh, and the law completely changes in, uh, in this country so that they, um, they give 24-hour drinking and then they wonder why all the young people are binging, binge drinking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't understand why they can't compute that. <laughs> to me, that's obvious. <laughs> uh, and now they say, oh, it might have been a mistake, but they won't change it. Uh, and so I love the idea that the law was a protective custody. It kept people from the worst sins. Now, if, if they obeyed it, I mean, there obviously many people didn't obey it, and it was, the law did bring condemnation and, and all the things, but it was God's way until Jesus came. And we need to be sure that we provide our children with protective custody. (laughs) Until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. The law was our guardian until Christ came. The law was what kept societies, particularly the Jewish society, from not descending into total lawlessness if they followed the law of the Lord. I mean, uh, we know in Judges, uh, at the end of Judges, it said that every man did that which was right in his own eyes and consequently terrible Things happened to the nation of Israel. So when lawlessness reigns, awful things happen. Awful things happen. There is a restraining power in the law. And my parents were, um, my father was an Anglican vicar. They were missionaries in in, um, Uganda. And then when they came home from Uganda, they were, um, they were, he was an Anglican vicar in a country parish in Wiltshire. And like Carolyn was saying last night, it provided a framework. It provided law. Um, it, it did for me. It, the, my upbringing provided a framework. It provided law. It, so that I didn't fall into some of, the, some of the sins I might have fallen into. It didn't mean that I wasn't uh, like Carolyn, completely blinded by <laughs> by religion, <laughs> and thought I was righteous by obeying the law, but it did keep me to a certain extent. The law is a guardian. It's a guardian, and I thank God for that. Let's look at verse. Uh, 24. Okay, we've done that. Therefore, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Under the law, when we're trying to do what we know to be true, and when we're trying to do what God wants us to do, we think God wants us to do, and Carolyn's testimony was so indicative of this, trying so hard and yet getting nowhere. Um, This is what happens so often with people. 
They try, they think that they will please God by doing this. They will please God by doing that. Maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to do more good works. Maybe I... She tried everything. <laughs> and to be honest, I did too. I tried everything. <laughs> and all, none of it worked, thank God. Because <laughs> he was gracious to me. <laughs> um, and that is just so, so precious. Schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified to, through faith. The law is there so that we get so fed up with not being able to keep it. So fed up with what, why doesn't this work? So fed up with, well, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried the other, until finally we're ready to say, I can't do it. <laughs> Maybe Jesus can. Amen? And this is what is so precious. This is what is so, so wonderful. He, that we might be justified by faith. Justified by faith. Nothing to do with us. Nothing at all. Justified by faith. Because faith is a gift of God anyway. So it's nothing to do with us. Nothing at all. It's a gift. And my husband is so right when he says, God didn't leave anything for us to do because we'd get it wrong. <laughs> he did it all for us. All for us. Hallelujah. So we're justified by faith. And the law is there to get us to get to the stage where we realize we cannot do anything right in our own eyes because the law brings that kind of chopping thing into your life all the time and you get frustrated with yourself and you get frustrated. None of us can do anything right. None of us can do anything right no matter how hard we try, because faith is a gift. And thank God for it. That we might be justified. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. That's amazing. Amazing. How could God do that for us? Just as if I'd never sinned. He wipes the slate clean. Because of Jesus' death on Calvary, his blood shed just wipes away all sin from our lives. By faith. By faith. But faith that's a gift from God. Amen? So we are justified, wonderful, justified by faith. But after faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to explain how we become children of God. He explains in verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We go down into the waters of baptism and that's, we go down as though we had died with Jesus. And when we come up out of the waters of baptism, we are raised in the likeness of his life. Let's look at that in Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 to 5. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, as we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So baptism is not, uh, baptism is the outward sign of what has happened, should be the outward sign of what has happened inwardly with us. And so um, baptism is the, when we walk in, when we go through the waters of baptism, he says here, Know ye not, so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried by him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And Carolyn was talking about the abundant life last night. We, when we receive the life of Christ, we receive that same abundant life. Because of his death, because of his crucifixion, because of what he went through on the cross, we receive, because his blood was shed, because our sin was washed away, because we have a whole new beginning, because we have such a wonderful, wonderful change in our hearts, and lives which totally transforms us because we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us. Amen? And it is just so wonderful. So we walk in newness of life. Life takes on a whole different hue. Life takes on a whole different way. Life is just so, 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 so wonderful. When Christ has come. When you've been brought into the death and been brought out into his life. Hallelujah. He's so wonderful. And that is, that is what Jesus has done for us. But you all know, every single one of you would know the time when you were under the law. And God put that law there as a protective custody so that you would come to know the life of Christ because you got so fed up with trying to do what you thought you ought to do and it was of no avail. 
when I first got born again, or I haven't got born again another time, I'm sorry, I don't know why I say first. <laughs> there, there is a song that uh, the Baptists used to sing in uh, Canada, oh, to be born again and again and again and again. <laughs> but uh, I'm not trying to bring that doctrine. <laughs> God showed me he was very gracious very, very gracious, because I was so religious. I was religious to the eyeballs. (laughs) And I thought I was such a good person. And like Carolyn, I thought he was lucky to have me on his side. (laughs) How deluded can you get? (laughs) And I was listening to a preacher... And he was talking about, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Because we can hide on the outside. But what goes on on the inside is who we are. That's, what, that's who we are. And uh, I didn't recognize it, but I was becoming more and more uncomfortable with his preaching and it was and it was a special series of meetings for 3 days and i was feeling worse and worse when i thought i was going to really enjoy these services <laughs> i didn't realize but i was being convicted of sin i didn't know what that was and so on the third meeting He was talking about the church and he was saying this church is like a darkened glass and there are black spots on it. And God spoke to me for the first time in my life and he said, you're one of those black spots. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I thought, goodness me, me? A black spot? (gasps) But I'm so righteous. And at that moment, God, in his mercy and grace, showed me a vision of hell. And hell, it was so real. I could smell the smoke. I could see the flames. It was just so real. And all of a sudden, I heard and I saw people falling into hell, screaming, screaming as they fell. And then I, su- I suddenly felt myself falling in. And my, I yelled at the top of my voice. This Anglican girl yelled, <laughs> Lord Jesus, save me! Because <laughs> I, I just was falling into hell. And that's where I deserved to go. So I, the vision left me and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed till the end of the service. I'm afraid I spoilt his sermon. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. And so at the end of the service, I went up to him and I said, what, what was that all about? And he said, I've got two words for you. And I said, what's that? He said, humble yourself. Mm. 
So I looked at him. I thought, what does he mean? But I didn't dare ask in case he said something nasty to me. (laughs) So (laughs) I left it and I went home to my apartment. I lived in an apartment in Liverpool at the time. And I said to, I thought, well, who can I ask what it means? I thought, the only person I can ask is God. So I knelt down by my bed and I said, Lord, what does it mean? Humble yourself. And praise to his wonderful name. He showed me my life like a book, turning the pages And on each page, it got worse and worse and worse. Until I saw what I was really like. How the outside was dusted and I was trying to polish it so well. (laughs) But inside, Jesus talks about ravening wolves. And I did... I was a social worker. I did childcare. And God showed me I didn't do it to help the people I went to. I did it to make myself feel better. Because here was me. At least I could kind of make a halfway decent thing of my life. But these poor people that I was helping were a total mess. And so I, here's the great social worker come to sort you out. Can you imagine what they thought of me? (laughs) A young thing straight out of university, brought up in a vicarage, (laughs) trying to help these poor people I went to. I think, oh golly, what did I say to them? But fortunately, I can't remember anything. But it does think, I think, oh dear, 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 (laughs) if I ever think about it. So, I was, a, I was a social worker and I did it to make myself feel good. I thought God was lucky to have me on his side. I didn't believe in that stuff of, of um, creation. Goodness me, my mother was a scientist. How could I possibly believe those fairy tales? My intellect was above God. And that was terrible. And other things he showed me over the pages. And then I felt like the woman who Jesus called a dog. And when she said, truth, Lord, that changed everything. Instead of being offended, she said, truth, Lord, I am like a dog. But even dogs can eat the crumbs from the master's table. Amen. And I just said, Lord, what you say about me is true. Absolutely true. And at that moment, heaven came down. And the song says, glory filled my soul. Because glory absolutely filled my soul. And all I could hear was God calling me his child. 
And I knew that I could say, Father, Father. And I belong to him. And that's what these wonderful verses are all about. That he adopts us as his children. We were slaves under the law. And that word redeemed means to buy back a slave. We were brought back from that curse of the law. We were brought back from being under the law. And Jesus, that precious, precious Jesus, went through death. And not only went through death, but lived life under the law for our sakes. The Lord of glory humbled himself and lived his life under the law for our sakes. Can you imagine that? King of kings, Lord of lords. The Bible says he humbled himself. He took on, he he lived under the law. And not only did he live under the law, but he fulfilled all the law. For our sakes. Amen. Wonderful. He fulfilled all the law for our sakes. But he had to live his life under the law. King of kings. Lord of lords. He had to submit himself. Subject himself to the law. When he was everything and anything in the whole of creation. But he had to humble himself and live under the law for our sakes. He had to be subject to all those laws when he'd made them, for goodness sakes. (laughs) And he had to live there for our sakes. And he was tempted in every point like we were, but without sin. No selfishness, no thought that, oh, I just can't take this anymore, Lord. Get me up. Beam me up, Scotty. I've had enough. (laughs) Oh, and the Bible says he, he didn't trust himself to man because he knew what was in them. He had to suffer those, the disciples, his friends, while he walked the earth, he called them his friends. And yet they ran away and left him, every single one of them. But the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame for you and for me. For you and for me. I just can't get over again and again and again how good God has been to each one of us. If so be that we know that we have been raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Hallelujah. And that time when we were under tutors, when we were under the guardianship of the law, is gone and finished forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, earlier on in, in that book of Galatians, Paul, Paul does say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. 
We live unto God thereafter. There's no way it makes an excuse for sin. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you have an inkling of what a revolution this was. Absolute revolution. Look at it. Bond, that means slave. Slave or free. Now, the sla- in that, slavery was institutionalized in their society. Slavery was accepted. Slavery was part of their whole way of system of econ- economic survival. And it was just, well, it, that was it. A slave was a slave. He belonged to you and you treated him fairly or unfairly according to your disposition. And the slave could do nothing about it. So here's Paul saying, neither bond nor free, all are one in Christ Jesus. And then women. (laughs) Women were very much second or third or fourth class citizens. (laughs) They ranked with the children. (laughs) It was uh, kind of in the pecking order. And... uh, And yet Paul's saying, neither male nor female. It was an absolute revolution. And God is so wonderful. And neither Jew nor Greek, they hated each other. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the Jews thought they were God's chosen people. What are the Gentiles doing getting something the same? I mean, not even, you know, maybe second-class citizens they can get in, you know, by the skin of their teeth, but the same. Oh, oh dear. (laughs) I think I talked a little bit about that last week. It was such a revolution for the whole thing. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise and the promise was because it's back in the earlier chapter the promise was in Abraham's seed Jesus Christ would come and he was the promise amen hallelujah now I say that the heir is as long as he is a child different nothing from a servant though he be lord of all But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So we were kept. A child who is going to inherit, maybe his father is very rich and he's going to, his father... Um, in um, Galatian, in the, sorry, in the NLT, it makes clear that the father died, and so that um, the child is left with a great big inheritance, but no means of using it until he's of age. Um, and so, we, the, he, he's explaining that um, 
we're kept under that law until such time as Jesus comes. And so we're under the bondage to the elements of this world. And that bondage is um, the fear of death. And let's look at that in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15. Now let's look at 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death. That is to say, the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Well, you might say to yourself, but I, I, I don't fear death. Why, why, why would you say I'm subject to the bondage of death all the time? But you are when you're not a Christian. Look at the way governments exploit the fear of death. Look at the way global warming is used as a, as to keep the population in bondage to the fear of death. See, you're all messing up this planet. It's all going to be terrible. It's all going to go wrong. It's all going to end up in death. When I was a child, and in my teenage years, it was the nuclear bomb. And I still remember the nightmares I used to have of the terrible mushroom cloud uh, and the bomb dropping and the mushroom cloud and people and everyone being fried and killed by a nuclear holocaust. That was what I grew up with. All your lifetime subject to the bondage of death. That fear of death. And so everyone is subject to that fear. And governments exploit it. So don't ever let anything. You look in the newspapers and, and everything's about death, destruction, terrible things happening, awful things going on. More and more murders, more and more knife crime, more and more this, more and more that, more and more terrible, 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 terrible. It does leave you with fear. You think to yourself, well, what, am I, what are my grandchildren going to grow up into, for? Uh, in, what kind of world are they going to have? But God, God in Christ Jesus has set us free from that bondage of fear. No more fear of death. Death has no more sting. The grave has no more victory. Hallelujah, he rose from the dead. <laughs> Praise God. And destroyed the power of death. Hallelujah. Let's look at that. That he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. 
and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Amen. I'm just going to tell you a little bit of a story because it's very relevant to one person in this room, maybe to others. When I had cancer, and it's now 20 years last month, I'm still living to tell the tale. Hallelujah. When I had cancer, the doctors, bless their hearts, <laughs> I don't, they give you, well, you're, you know, you've got to this stage of the cancer and, and you've got this, maybe you've got this amount of time to live, maybe you've got that amount of time to live. And it just kind of hung like a, like a sword of Damocles over my head. And I was subject to that fear again, fear of death. Because when was it coming? Not very long. And then all of a sudden, God spoke to me and he said, you're not a statistic, you're my child. And the fear just lifted Hallelujah. I belong to him. He makes all the difference. Amen. Hallelujah. No longer subject to the bondage of death. That fear cannot rule us. Amen. Okay, back to Galatians. So who were in bondage under the elements of this world? And look at this. The Bible is always so wonderful. And the words you always want to look for are, but God. (laughs) But God. But God. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth of his son, made of a woman, made under the law. I've been talking about that to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And that's exactly what happened to me. My whole life was transformed in that moment because I knew that God was my father. Now, God is so precious and so wonderful. None of you are going to have that same experience as I did. But he's going to do something very special, very unique for you. And that is what is so wonderful about God. He has a way, always has a way to bring us in. And so different, so amazing. That's why I was so thrilled when I talked to Joe and Bridget when they came last time from Limerick, from the last conference, and they shared with me their story. Joe used to go to um, prayer meetings in Limerick, and uh, uh, and it, 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 it ended with them going to a... Uh, as a kind of crusade on the beach. And uh, he and 
Bridget was so, so embarrassed by this service. <laughs> they couldn't bear it. And they were looking around to see if anybody they knew could see them because <laughs> they hated the whole thing. There was people raising their hands and, oh, goodness me, they hated it. <laughs> and they thought they looked such idiots. <laughs> I can remember thinking that when I first went to a Pentecostal meeting. <laughs> I was horrified. And when a lady started speaking in tongues next to me, the hairs on the back of my neck went up. And I thought, oh, get me out of here, God. <laughs> and that's what they felt like. So they, 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 they gave religion the shove at that point. But um, he injured himself. He's a plasterer. He injured himself and uh, couldn't work uh, as easily in Ireland. And so he found a job in um, London with his father-in-law. And he was able to work with his left hand instead of his right um, because his father-in-law would do all the, the other work that was needed with the other hand. And each day he would have to travel on the underground in London. And so, so many times a man would get onto the same carriage as him. And it, he came with another person, but it looked as though he was talking into the air. He would preach the gospel. He would tell all about the wonderful love of God. He would tell about how he breaks the power of sin. He would tell about how he heals the sick. He would tell about, and he would tell it, and, it, and Joe used to think to himself, gosh, that guy's brave. He just tells it. Everybody can hear it, and he doesn't care. And so Joe would listen to this, day after, well, not day after day, but Perhaps once or twice a week he would listen to this. And then, uh, over the period of time, he would listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. But you see, God, this is what so thrilled me, God orchestrated him to have to go to London to leave his wife and family, five boys, to leave them and sit on this underground carriage, and God orchestrated it all. That, to me, was just so precious. God has, is a God of infinite variety. Don't think he hasn't got some tremendous resources in order to bring you in. He has. No matter what kind of way you need bringing in, he'll find a way. I spoke about the, the sheep. And trying to get them into when you watch these sheep trials, and you're trying, and the poor sheep dog is trying to get these wayward sheep coming in, and they and 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 you can bet your bottom dollar a couple of them are going to escape, and so the sheep dog has to charge all round again and get them in, and the shepherd is going, <laughs> and, and the dog understands all his signals, and finally he gets those silly sheep into the pen. But you see, God has a way of helping you find the door. Because he is the door. 
he is the door. He is the door. And he has an infinite way, number of ways in which to bring each one of you. And each one of you has such an individual story to tell. Each one of you knows that you're precious to God because of the way in which he brought you. And if you don't know that, hallelujah, it's time you did. Amen? And God's brought you here for a reason, to find out. Because he loves you. And today could be your day when you add your own individual story to the countless hundreds and thousands and millions of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stories of how God brought you in. God brought you in. And like Carolyn was saying last night, when she read from Ezekiel, every single thing, the seven steps, God God, 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 God. Amen? And that's why I loved this verse (laughs) 9. And it really stood out to me like beacons. (laughs) But now, after you have known God, and then Paul puts the other side of it completely, and he says, or rather, are known of God. Amen? The wonderful thing is, we're known of him. He's our father. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He's not like the king that we met in Ghana, who when we asked him, how many children do you have? And he said, well, uh, maybe uh, 42 or... 43, I'm not sure. (laughs) God has no trouble counting. And he knows you by name. Not only does he know you by name, he adopts you. He chooses you. My husband was explaining about how adoption is so wonderful because Parents who get to adopt get to choose which baby they want. Whereas wonderful gift that children are to you when you bear them yourselves, but you don't get to choose. (laughs) You don't get to choose whether it's a boy or a girl. You get what you get. (laughs) And they're wonderful. But God chooses you. And he doesn't choose you because you've got blue eyes and blonde hair or black eyes and brown eyes and black hair or whatever you might think you want. He doesn't choose you for any reason other than that he loves you and you're one of his. And so, but now, after that ye have known God or rather are known of God. Don't go back to those weak and beggarly elements. Don't go back to living under the law. Don't go back to the terrible bondage. 
Don't go back to thinking that you have to establish your own righteousness. Don't go back to that condemnation. Don't put yourself back under that bondage of fear. Don't go back to it. Don't allow anything to rob you of the wonders of the love of God. Don't let sin destroy you. Don't let anything do what God has given us such a wonderful life, abundant life, abundant life. Amen? It's so, so precious, so, so wonderful. And I thank him with all my hearts. For now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? Paul said to the Galatians, you've got yourselves bewitched. You've fallen under the spell of being able to establish your own righteousness again. He said, you're crazy. Oh, foolish Galatians. Don't let that happen again. Don't let it happen again. Amen? And so on this Easter morning, let us thank God with all our hearts that he has raised Christ from the dead and we are risen with him. Hallelujah. Praise God.